A few years ago, I was sitting, this was pre-pandemic, a few years ago I was sitting in a coffee shop before our Jesus in Java high school Bible study. We call it Jesus in Java because that sounds way cooler than just calling it Bible study. But I would go in early sometimes, and I would sit in the same spot, in the same coffee shop for a couple years on end every Wednesday, but for this particular Wednesday I was there significantly early. I was sitting there and I was reading my Bible, I was reading a book on God's love and how the church needs to operate in God's love, and then I was just kind of journaling through some of my thoughts. And as I was sitting there on these couches by the window, there was a young guy, maybe like 19 or 20, sitting charging his phone on the couch directly next to me. Now this might come as a surprise to you, but I'm not really a social talker. I, I know I seem like it. I, I seem like this extrovert. Um, I just play one on TV. I'm really an introvert. And I don't tend to do small talk. If you've ever tried to have small talk with me, you could tell I'm pretty bad at it. I don't really know what to talk about besides Jesus. But while sitting there and reading and writing, this kid was on the right of me, and he's just sitting there scrolling on his phone. And I remember sitting there thinking, you got to talk to him. And I brushed it off. This guy's probably enjoying his day. He doesn't want some random guy talking to him who he's never met before. But I kept feeling that feeling that I should talk to him. Have you guys ever felt that before? A little while later, I felt it again. You need to talk to him. And I brushed it off. I continue reading my book on how we're supposed to love others and strike up conversation, I guess. I'm just reading my book, and I'm, I'm journaling probably about God, I want, to, I want you to use me any way you see fit. And then there was that feeling again. Talk to him. And I brush it off. Again, as I continue to read, now it's, time has gone on. This wasn't like a 10-minute thing. It's probably been like an hour or so. And finally, I thought to myself, okay, what would I even say? I'm going to talk to this random guy. What am I even going to say? And then I notice he's wearing these gauge earrings, you know, the ones that put the big holes in your ears. And I was thinking, okay. That's my conversation starter. And I turn and go, what size are your earrings? They're pretty cool. And he just looked at me. And I thought in my head, great opener, Will. Could you say anything creepier? Hey, I noticed your earlobes. They're pretty cool. And I thought he was going to say, weirdo. And his response was, you know, I've been here since the place opened. And you're the first person to acknowledge me. I learned his name was Cameron, he was homeless, and he was just looking for a place to charge his phone and hang out because he had nowhere else to go. This led to a conversation about God, faith, and church, and, and talking about who Jesus is and how Jesus loves us, and it ended with prayer. He actually stayed for that Bible study, and I said, hey, don't chime in because I don't know who you are, but you can, you can stay and listen with us. That story doesn't end with Cameron coming to our church. It doesn't end with the heavens opening and him becoming a pastor. I didn't see him again for a long time. But a year or so later, I'm walking into a random GameStop in a completely different part of New Jersey, and he walks in. And he goes, you're the guy from the coffee shop. And I was like, dude, yeah, we're talking. We start talking about music, and, he, and he, when he saw me, he gave me this big hug, and he remembered our great conversation, and I prayed for him again. Some people might have seen this as just a random conversation or me being polite. But for me, I knew this was a leading from the Holy Spirit to talk to someone who needed to be seen that day and have a listening ear. Last week in our series that we're in, Life in Color, we've been asking a question, right? Is there more to this? Is there more to faith and following Jesus than just going through the motions of what a stereotypical Christian is? And having, have we been living in this black and white monochrome faith? Where we're doing the Sunday thing, we do the small group thing, we, we sing the songs at church, but something inside us just feels like it's still missing. And we look at this question, is this, Jesus, is this what Jesus wanted for us? But I think Jesus wanted more. He had much more color in mind in our lives. Jesus told his disciples, there's something, there's someone better. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's better. And if I go, he'll come. And it will be better than if I was standing directly in front of you. 
And we journeyed over the past few weeks through the Holy Spirit and who he is and how upon conversion, upon a profession of faith in Jesus, that we know Jesus is Lord, that the Holy Spirit then dwells within us. He lives within us. And that Jesus promised that this Holy Spirit, who is him, will guide us and teach us everything we need to know. And the tough question we had to answer last week was, if there is more, if there is more to church, if there is more to faith, if there is more to following Jesus, the question we have to answer is, do we want it? Which led us to talking about how the Holy Spirit brings us from our lives of black and white into a life of vibrant, beautiful color. That the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into a baptism of him. A total, immersed, soaked, drenched experience with him that comes in power. And we saw that in Acts 2 with the disciples. And that we are continually being filled by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work set before us. To follow his leading. To experience the ever-present presence of the loving God dwelling inside us. Overflowing with his love. And this led us into a powerful time of asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. And we, you saw how we kind of ended last week, if you were here, that we just took some time in prayer. And some people who came up to be prayed for heard songs in their head leading them to Jesus. Other people saw dreams. Other people saw visions. Some people had prophetic words spoken over them. Some were given messages and sermons to one day preach, maybe even here. Some of us went up and we realized we're still waiting for something. God didn't open up the heavens, but we were obedient and waiting and saying, hey, I want more of you. And some of us were led into a powerful time of confession, and then we were filled with the forgiveness of the Father. I have to say, I'm, I'm thankful for the texts and conversations over the past few weeks since we started this series. How some of you just, there were, there were sometimes people would text me saying, I'm just overflowing with the Spirit right now. You know how, what that did for my faith? I'm up here saying, you know, I believe in all this, and I believe it's real, and I do. But some of you would have conversations with me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's real. This is actually happening. That people are encountering a loving God. But all these things can be explained away. All these things can just be a passing moment in our life. Or we can embrace them for what they are. A move of the Holy Spirit here in this church. Not fictitious. Not something we're making up. But that some of us are actually feeling the guiding and leading and overflow of the Holy Spirit. So now we can see that there is more to faith. That life doesn't have to be lived in black and white, but we can be in full color. That we can experience a continual filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to overflow, to a deeper life, to a deep relationship with the Father. But one question remains. If there is more to faith, and if I do want it, what do I do now? If the Holy Spirit is truly meant to guide us, what's he guiding us to? Where is he guiding us? Last weekend, a few of us were, who were on the prayer team got together on Saturday morning to pray over you, to pray over the church, and to pray for what we knew God was going to do last week. And we sat and we prayed and we discussed our, our hopes, and someone said, maybe the Holy Spirit is uniting the sacred with the secular. That everything in all of creation is God's. That we can't say, well, this is for the church and this is for the world, but everything, all of us, the Holy Spirit wants it all to be united he wants us to live in the fullness of him in every moment of our lives. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to just be part of our lives. He wants all of it. He wants to guide you not just in church moments, not just on Sunday mornings, but the Holy Spirit wants to guide every part of our lives, and he wants us to surrender it all to him. I like how the Apostle Paul says it in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit Guide your lives. The ESV translation actually says that we are to walk by the Spirit. That every step we take and everything we do, we are to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and his guiding and his teaching. That, he should be, that we should be actively listening for his guiding and leading on our very next steps. I believe like Paul, in our everyday life, our, the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. He wants to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to bleed into every aspect of our lives, not just mere moments. But too many times, it can feel like our lives are compartmentalized into there's God, and then there's my life. 
There's church, and then there's work. There's youth group, and then there's school. There's my Christian friends, my work friends, my school friends. There's the Sunday version of me, there's the life group version of me, and then there's the, the rest of the week version of me. And it can almost feel like, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit, and I want him to guide everything in me. But then when I look at my life around me, I say, you know what, I actually don't feel it. I don't feel his guiding in everything. I feel it on Sunday when I'm singing the songs, and Chris starts to swell on the drums, and the keyboard kicks up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. But then when the song ends, and I walk out of the building, I'm like, hey, you know what, I don't feel him. It feels like, yeah, I want him in every part of my life. But then we look around and we don't feel it. This was the issue in the church that Paul was writing to. They felt this same thing too, this same tension. And thankfully, Paul tries to help them understand what it means to live a life guided by the Holy Spirit. Paul says this, So I say that the Holy Spirit guides your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul starts talking about these two natures that are at war within us. The Holy Spirit, who is God and, and dwells within us and who we've been talking about. But then Paul brings up something else. He brings up something called the sinful nature. And what the sinful nature wants is the complete opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. Jesus and his Holy Spirit are dwelling with inside me. He sent his Spirit to dwell within me. And right now, inside me, the Holy Spirit is dwelling. But in my humanity and in my flesh, there's something else dwelling inside me called the sinful nature. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And I'm sure right now, some of you actually understand what I'm saying. That you can feel the ever-present tension. That something within us is in a battle. And we don't do what we actually want to do. You know how many times I've told myself that I want to wake up early to pray? I want to wake up early to pray and journal and spend time with God. That the desire's there and then my alarm goes off and I snooze it. And then my alarm goes off and I snooze it. And then my alarm goes off and I'm snoozing it. And then I, I think in my head, well, you know what? I had a stressful week. God would understand if I don't wake up today. I know I told him last night I'm going to meet him in the morning, but he would understand I was up way too late last night playing video games. But then, on other days, I'll commit to running. I'll, I'll plan a whole marathon and wake up four days a week at 4.18 a.m. for 16 weeks. And I didn't miss any of them. But then all of a sudden when I was like, hey, let me wake up early to soap. Or wake up early to pray. Ah, oh, God, my week was too stressful. I can't even give myself that much credit. I don't pray that. I wake up and just close my eyes. I'm like, ah, I'm up, go back to bed. I think we can all deal with this. How many times do we desire to get up and read our Bibles, but instead we wake up and we grab our phone and we scroll through Instagram or YouTube comparing ourselves with others and what they have? We want to prioritize spending alone time with God and life groups. We want to tithe. We want to attend church regularly. But then as this war breaks out inside us and we just don't have the time. Time is money or projects. Work needs to be done. Sleep is hard to come by. Have you seen the sports schedule? I want to spend time with God, but sports. I want to spend time with God, but I got to get to work. And then yet we, we battle with, I don't feel his leading in my life. We all know this battle, don't we? And when we continue to dismiss this desire from the Holy Spirit within us, let me tell you the truth. It gets a lot easier to justify the desires of our sinful nature. And Paul tells us, when we submit to these desires, the results are clear. Look at verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. We can look at this description and say, well, I'm so thankful that that's clearly not me. But then we, we look around and examine ourselves. We take a minute to go, wait, is this me? And then we, we examine ourselves and we begin to see this in our lives. When we really take the moment to examine our hearts and our thoughts and our actions, 
And if we were being honest, could some of these things describe us? Describe you? Describe me? None of these results of the sinful nature are things that God desires for us. God doesn't want any of those things in our lives. Those are not God's ideal. It's not his will or plan for us. These are the things that are at war with our desires. But we have a choice if we want to let these things be the dominant voice in our lives. When we begin to listen to our sinful nature over that Holy Spirit guiding, Paul is saying that these things, that list, will become the result. When we follow our sinful nature rather than the Holy Spirit, we are walking outside of that filling that we talked about last week. It's like we emptied our cup and we begin to feel it with what Paul described as sexual morality, lustful pleasures. We start to have these outbursts of anger and we have selfish ambition and we have division and envy and so on. We have to take an honest look at ourselves and say, hey, is this me? Is what Paul is describing as a sinful nature seen in my life? Because I think we can all fall into a place where we feel like something is missing. We've said that every week now, and we're going to conclude this series saying that same thing. Is something missing in the church today? Because I think it gets easy to submit to the sinful nature the more you do it. We look to those things that he describes, and we try and fill our lives with it. And for a moment, it feels good. It feels like, okay, this is satisfying me. But then as time goes on, that empty feeling remains. Let me tell you a truth. The Holy Spirit will never guide you to any of the things that Paul listed there. The Holy Spirit will never guide you to envy. He will never guide you to sexual immorality. He will never guide you to drunkenness. That's not his leading. That's not a result of following the Holy Spirit's guiding. But we're living in a world today that's telling you that this is okay and this is normal. And then that's living. Wild parties are normal. Getting drunk is normal. But that's not following the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to say this. Let me tell you again. And anytime the Bible or the author says, let me tell you again, it's something really important that he's trying to get across. So he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That anyone living that lifestyle that he describes in there will not inherit the kingdom of God. But let me be clear. This is not saying that anyone who's done these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying anyone who's living this sort of life, meaning it's not that we're struggling with it, it's not that we're struggling with these things or feelings, but someone who continues to say, I want to go into that. I want to lean into this. Someone who continues to live this way is not choosing a life led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, this advocate, this comforter, this counselor, this guide will convict us of all sin. So this means that if we're not convicted when we hear those verses, there isn't a check in our soul when it comes to these things. One or two things are true. One, the Spirit of God is not in us. And we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Or two, we are choosing to neglect and reject his leading and have become desensitized to our own sin. This is the way of living out our sinful nature and not God's plan for us. And let me tell you today, this is why conviction of sin is not a curse. If you fall and stumble and something within you is like, I know I messed up, I know I wasn't supposed to go this way. That's not a punishment. That's not a curse. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm calling you back to me. If you, if you mess up and if you stumble and fall, like we all do, and you're like, something within me says this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing it. That's not God punishing you. That's God calling you back, amen? When we live by the Holy Spirit, we won't do those things. We'll struggle, we'll stumble, but it won't be our life. The Holy Spirit in our lives will produce something completely opposite of that. Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit and leading on his guidance, our lives will produce this. It won't be those sinful desires. It will be this, a life of patience, a life of love, a life of self-control. And this only comes by leading or leaning on his guidance. 
I would argue that so many of us, if not all of us in the world, are after these things. Everyone is after real love and real joy and real peace and real patience and real kindness and real goodness and real faithfulness, real gentleness, real self-control. And these results or fruit can only be found in a life submitted and filled by the Holy Spirit. All these things can only be produced and a result of a life following God. And so many of us are in search of this. The amount of TED Talks, podcasts, influencers, life coaches, all trying to tell us how to gain these results. But none of this fruit can ever come to its true potential without the Holy Spirit. We can only get so far. It would be like settling, if you're trying to do this without the Holy Spirit, it would be like settling for the light version of these apps. Right? You know on the, when you get an app on your phone, and you get the free one, and everything else is just in-app purchases? It's like, I can get so far, but it's not as good as the real thing. That's living in black and white when there's a life of full color. When we lean on the Holy Spirit, our lives begin to produce this fruit. And eventually, if you keep following that leading of the Holy Spirit, these things will supernaturally happen in your life. I'm not talking about meeting someone who seems loving, or seems happy. But have you ever met someone who's just beaming with joy, even in dark times, even in bad situations? Not, not realistic optimism, but just saying, hey, we can trust God. Or that person who's unbelievably kind and unbelievably has self-control that when, when everything's going on around them, they're like, this is what we got to do. And it's different than just being nice or being kind, but something supernaturally is different about that person. Pause for a second. Can you think of someone who follows Jesus, who follows Jesus and is filled with the Holy Spirit, whose life demonstrates real joy, real peace, real kindness? Aren't these the people we naturally want to be around and be like? Some of you are sitting here today. Where I've gone to your house and you are just supernaturally kind. I'm telling you, I can sit across from you and you just keep filling my plate over and over again. Even when I don't want it, I'm full. And you're like, nah, let's just have another plate. And I'm like, oh, this is good. Goodness of the Lord. But I'm serious. Think about it. I just don't want a joyful life. I want real, supernatural joy. That it won't make sense to people when they're around me. I want to have supernatural patience, supernatural self-control that only comes by a life led by the Holy Spirit. When we choose to live life in the Spirit rather than a life giving into our sinful nature, these things will be the fruit of it. When we live in the daily fullness of the Holy Spirit, this stuff will become second nature to us. And it will be the evidence of our faith. It's the Holy Spirit leading us to being more like him. Let me ask you, do you want this? I asked you before, like, I was like, hey, can some of these sinful desires describe me? Can some of this fruit describe you? This will impact everything and everyone around us. Life will no longer be this separation of secular and sacred because the Holy Spirit will guide us when we're at church, but he'll just as much guide us when we're at school or when we're at work. I love that Paul lists it this way. Because you can look at these two lists and say, hey, does this describe me? If I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, it's an indicator that I'm walking outside of God's filling and what he desires of me. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're asking, okay, what now? It's a life living this fullness of the fruit, living in this fullness of the Spirit. This fruit will change us and bring life change to others. And I think too many times people come to faith and then are overwhelmed with all things we can't do. Right? I start to believe in Jesus. I work in youth ministry, so I get this. I, I start to believe in Jesus. I went to Lake Champion. I prayed the prayer. And then I start coming to youth group. And I'm like, you mean I can't get drunk? You mean I, I can't go to a wild party? You mean I can't live with my boyfriend or girlfriend? You mean I can't have sex before marriage? I can't love who I want to love? That's the wrong focus. I don't want to look at my life following Jesus going, Jesus, look at all the things I can't do. I want to look at my life and say, Jesus, Look all that you've given me. You've given me real joy, real peace, real self-control, real patience, real kindness. I actually feel real love. 
we got to stop as the church looking outside the walls and going, man, I wish I could do that. But we start inviting people in saying, get what, look what you can experience. You can experience real peace, real joy. We can have a life guided by the Holy Spirit where he is actually leading us. But to do this, if you really want the Holy Spirit to guide you in all things and to go after this fruit, we have to continue with what Paul says next. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That we've taken the stuff that we want, our plans, our agendas, the sinful nature stuff that we are so gravitated towards, and we're saying, no, I'm going to take this, I'm going to crucify it with Christ. And I know this sounds crazy, but Paul's just rephrasing something Jesus said already. He says in Matthew 16, and then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you want to try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about what he just said. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, if we want to hear his leading and guiding, it starts by denying the sinful nature, by denying our own way. We can spend so much time trying to take control of our own lives, trying to ride the fence with, okay, I got God, but I'm also trying to be successful in the world. I'm trying to build a good life here and trying to look more like the world by also trying to look more like God. And then, as we're trying to balance this out, like, I'm going to try and live for God, but I'm also going to try and live the way I want. And then we get confused and go, well, God, why aren't you leading me anywhere? It's because we're riding the fence. That's not full surrender. Trying to set up our lives to be successful. I have to go to the right school, make sure I have the right job, make sure I say the right thing. Me trying to decide what feels right and what feels wrong. Us deciding what's best for us. To live how we feel and we want and we desire. And then we ask the Holy Spirit, well, where should I go next? But we never given up control. Look what he says in verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That's such backwards thinking. He's saying, hey, if you want to save your life, you got to be willing to let go of it. But too many times we're trying to white-knuckle our lives and say, I got control of this, and I can do this, and I, I can make myself successful, and I can make myself all my dreams come true, and I can be, I can earn my way to heaven. But he's saying, no, if you want to save your life, let go of it. Trust it to me. It's living a life of full surrender, saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it because I trust you. In Romans, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Paul and Jesus are describing how the sinful nature and a life following the fullness of the Holy Spirit are at odds with each other. They're constantly fighting. And either you can follow your sinful nature and let ourselves be our guide, or we can let the Holy Spirit be the one to guide us. Jesus says if we really want to follow him, we have to give up control with living a life our own way. This isn't up for debate. We can't say Jesus didn't say this. He says if you want to follow me, give up your own way. Give up your plans. Give up what you think is best and follow what I think is best. That's what it says. Admitting that we don't know what's best for us. And like Paul said in Galatians, take our desires, our wants, our plans, and nail them to the cross where Jesus was crucified. We're going to have to deny our sinful natures and let the Holy Spirit guide our minds, control our minds. This is where we find, from that guidance, this is where we find real peace in life. At the end of Galatians 5, Paul says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. There's a big difference between adding the Holy Spirit into my life and actually living by the Spirit. There's a big difference between saying, hey, now I go to church on Sundays, to saying, now I follow Jesus everywhere I go. When we look at ourselves, do we feel like we're following him in every part, minute by minute, or have we just added him into our schedules? If you were driving a car and your car was faith, and this is your life, who's driving the car? You? And Jesus is just the passenger? Or is the Holy Spirit behind the wheel? Anyone else want to burst into a country song? Jesus, take the wheel. I always thought that song was so corny. I still do. But then when I look at my life, there's some clear moments where I was saying, okay, Jesus, you ride shotgun. I'll take it from here. And then I would say, like, God, I'm lost. Because I wasn't letting him take control. I'm starting to realize more and more that we get to have a daily dependence on God. We just have to begin to listen. I'm realizing more and more how the Holy Spirit isn't just in these random special moments, but how he's always with us, always guiding us. Sometimes I used to think, okay, I will really feel the Holy Spirit when I get to like champion. Or if I get to the life conference, then I'll feel the Holy Spirit again. Or I just need to have like that Easter service that's like really good, and then I'll, then I'll really feel his leading. But he doesn't just lead us in special moments every now and again. But he's always with us, always guiding us. And I believe right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us way more than we realize. But we miss it because we're too busy listening to our own desires. And maybe because we haven't learned to listen to his voice. Like any relationship, it takes two people in a conversation. One has to talk, and the other listen. And then it switches. The other person will talk, and the other one will listen. But I think we spend way too much time talking that we forget to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. And we have to learn to listen. I believe we can become people who are so attuned to the Holy Spirit that we can begin to see him leading in our daily lives. And maybe instead of asking God what his will is for our entire future— We start asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now? Stop making the five-year plan with your faith and go, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do today? What are you asking me to do next? I remember sitting in that coffee shop next to Cameron, and I'm battling that awkward tension of feeling like, should I say something? But I don't don't want to talk to him. That would be uncomfortable, and I don't really feel like having a conversation right now. But in hindsight, I can clearly see the battle between the Holy Spirit and my sinful nature in that moment. And I'm thankful that in a small way that day I was obedient. I have no regrets about talking to him. Like I said, it didn't lead to this big, huge salvation moment where now he's speaking all over the country and he goes, remember the guy in the coffee shop? He might not even remember my name. But what I remember was a guy needed someone to listen to him that day and I did that. I remember, wow, I don't look back at that conversation and go, it was just a conversation. I look, the Holy Spirit led me to do something And I did it. And I can go to bed saying, I did what you asked of me. I have never regretted moments like that. That's not the only time that something like that has happened where it's just a tangible, like, I just need to say something. You've probably heard this story many times before, but one time I was in a CBS line paying for some snacks, and this woman in front of me began arguing with the cashier or something about the pharmacy, and they they were getting loud. Like, I mean, really loud words I could ever say on a stage at church. We're being thrown everywhere. And I'm sitting there awkwardly waiting. When she left, the cashier just goes to me when I'm checking out. She goes, man, that lady was nuts. And then that internal battle began. Because I remember feeling this check in my spirit that felt something like, you need to pray for that woman. And I thought, okay, this is something I can do on my own. And when I get in the car, I'll pray for her. But I felt like, no, no, I need to pray for her now. I need to go find that woman and pray for her. But I thought, I can't do that. That'd be weird. I just saw you yell at a cashier, belittle her. What am I going to say? Excuse me, you want prayer? That would be weird. And maybe you've felt that internal battle before. Maybe you're even feeling it now. As we talk about the Holy Spirit and prayer and needing to talk to someone. I remember thinking, like, what? I can't go up to her. She is 
picked right now. And some random guy in line behind her is going to go talk to her. So I continue to purchase my stuff, and I remember bowing in my head. Ah, okay. That feeling again. You need to talk. You need to pray for her. Not talk to her. I had a very clear feeling I have to pray for her. So I remember reasoning in my head, if she's outside God, I'll pray for her. So I walk out of the CVS, and the first car I see is this little red car, and she's sitting in it. So now I'm like, ah, fucker. In this moment, I was very aware of my skin color and knocking on someone's window randomly in a parking lot. And I walk up to her window, and I knock on it, and of course I startled her. This is a being a moment of uncomfortableness. She cracked her window. She didn't roll it down. Like it's very thin. And I said, hey, I'm a pastor, and I just want to know if you need prayer for anything. She rolled down her window completely, and she began to sob. And when she finally took a breath, she says, I just found out this week that I have cancer. And I was so stressed out about it, I took it out on the cashier. I listened, and then I said, okay, come on, can I pray for you? I prayed for her. She sobbed. There wasn't a miraculous healing. I never saw this woman again. I was just in line for snacks that day. But it ended with me praying for someone who needed prayer, reminding her that God sees her and loves her and knows her. And through that car window, she gave me the biggest bear hug I think I've ever gotten as my feet were probably dangling off the ground. I think we can all tell story after story of where we feel the Holy Spirit's leading, and we can quickly explain them away. But if we're really, if he's really speaking, are we sensitive to hearing him? Because the more we learn his voice, the more we will hear him, and this will change the way we live our lives. Think about it. What if one day when Colin is up here leading, and he says, does anyone have a testimony? Someone came and said, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do this week, and I did it. And not, not praise me, but praise God who sent me. That I got to be a part of it. What if that's what we looked like? We, we became a church that began to share stories of, this is how the Holy Spirit led me this week. And this is how the Holy Spirit guided me this week. And this is what he taught me this week. But a pattern, or what most people do when it comes to prayer in our lives, is we say our part and then we say amen and walk off. Come on, think about how many times we pray, God, will you guide us? We need your help. Amen. And then we go off and do our thing. Or God, I love you. Will you guide my steps? In Jesus' name, amen. And then we don't give it another thought. We just keep going. But what if we made it a two-way conversation? And instead of just praying and saying our part, will you do this in my life? And will you do that in my life? And will you help me with this thing? That we said, God, I need you. I want your guiding. And then we took a moment in the uncomfortable to sit and just listen and wait for a response. Because what if he spoke? What if in that moment he said, there's a person that I need you to go talk to. Or this is something I, needed, I need you to hear, that you're loved and you're forgiven. Too many times we pray and we walk off. What if we prayed and we just sat waiting for him to speak because he promised us that he will guide us. The Holy Spirit will call you to be bold. He will call us to be bold and get out of our comfort zone and follow him. I think a lot of times we can think like, well, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, what if he calls me to do something bold or courageous or something out of my comfort zone? He will. I promise you, the Holy Spirit will call you out of your comfort zone. But he promises to be with you in it and says, I will be your strength. I will be your boldness. I will be that courage you need to do what I asked of you. And it's a lot better to be with the Holy Spirit doing something that makes me uncomfortable than to be comfortable doing nothing and feeling like life is just black and white with no faith. I have no regrets and leaning in those moments when I hear the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to describe it and not merely brush it off, but it's hard to explain. You just know. And I know you probably don't want to hear that, but when you feel the Holy Spirit guiding you, you just know he's pulling us to pray for that person, to say those words, to ask them if they know Jesus. You know how many times I'm awkwardly, either I'm running or I'm sitting in a car with someone or I'm on a bus or whatever I'm doing, and all of a sudden I feel like, hey, you need to ask them if they know Jesus. And I say, do you know Jesus? And they're like, your dad, Jesus? I'm like, no, 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 Jesus. Do you know him? And he loves you and he died for you. I've never regretted any awkward conversation with talking to someone about Jesus when the Holy Spirit has guided me to do it. 
And there's been times when they're just like, okay, that's nice. Go with God, I guess. But I know in those moments I'm obedient. And I don't know what he's doing in their lives. But how beautiful is it that he's used me to be a part of it for a moment? Those times that I wanted to say something, though, and I didn't, that's when I go to bed going, God, I, I wish I would have said something. There's been times where I like, feel like I need to tell this person something, and I don't say anything, and then the person next to me says what I was going to say. And I knew in that moment, oh, I heard from God, and I chose to do nothing with it because it felt awkward. When I pursue living life in step with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit naturally occurs in my life. You realize the more you pursue listening to Him and desire to hear Him and desire to know Him and obey Him, the more you'll see these fruit of patience and kindness and gentleness happen in your life. And you will sin less. You'll still sin. A bunch. But instead of going on that site that you know you shouldn't be on, picking up that whatever amount of drink you had, getting in that car to drive to that person's house, something in you will go, this is not what I have for you. He'll be guiding you, convicting you more. Anytime we are being guided by the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to that fruit. It's when we're not following his guidance that we start following our sinful nature. And that will always lead to sin. One way to be tuned into the Holy Spirit is to be actively looking and listening for him. When I was studying for my ordination exam, the district gives you a mentor who helps you kind of go through the questions and guide you through the process. And my mentor gave me a challenge one day. He gave me some advice about walking in the Spirit. He told me, set an alarm on your phone when you wake up every hour until you go to bed. That on the top of the hour, an alarm will go off. He said, do that for a week. And every time that alarm goes off, I want you to say in your head, Holy Spirit, guide me. So I did that for a week. And of course, the first few times the alarm would go off, I'm like, what's this alarm for? Oh, Holy Spirit, guide me. But then by the end of the week, naturally, I would just say throughout my day, Holy Spirit, guide me. You know how hard it is to sin when you just prayed, Holy Spirit, guide me? You know how hard it is to get angry when two minutes ago you just prayed, Holy Spirit, guide me? You know how easy it is to stand up for justice when you just prayed, Holy Spirit, guide me? You know how supernaturally it just works sometimes that you have the right words for that person because you just prayed, Holy Spirit, guide me? A simple alarm helped me to keep focus and realize he's with me always. I can say, Holy Spirit, guide me because he's within me and he's in me and he wants me to follow his leading. It reminded me that he's always with me and wants to use me and guide me in every moment of my life, not just on Sunday mornings when I'm in front of you, but even when I'm alone or I'm with that person. Simply being aware that he is with me helped me to listen for him and look at the world around me with different eyes. I found myself going into conversations at work, asking the Holy Spirit to guide me and use me in that conversation. Before going into a grocery store, Stopping and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me and show love and patience while I'm going through this store. When we start to look for his leading, you'll begin to see him showing up all over the place. But it starts by training ourselves to be aware that he's with us and then ask him to help us. Then the hard part. You have to be patient and actually listen to what he said. I could feel the Holy Spirit helping me when talking to a cashier at a store and asking how they're doing and they come back with, well, actually, I'm, I found out I'm sick. And I can say, let me pray for you. It led to conversations of telling people what I do for a living and them asking me, hey, anytime I see you, can you give me a Bible fact? Sure. In conversations where I disagree with people, I can feel the Holy Spirit showing me, be patient and listen, have self-control in speaking, help me love the person where they are, but also share with them the truth of God with boldness and talk about his love the Holy Spirit is speaking. Let me tell you, even right now, as we sit here talking about him, he's speaking to you. Talking with you. Are you listening? Are you following his guiding? What if we took a moment now and asked the Holy Spirit to guide us and to speak to us? 
Could we sit in silence and just let him speak? And what if he asked, what if we asked the Holy Spirit, hey, what do I do next? I know some of us are afraid of that. What if he asked me to sell everything I had? That's like the biggest one everyone's afraid of. Maybe he will. It's better with him. What if he asks me to ask for forgiveness from that person I've wronged? It'd be so awkward. It probably will. But it's better with him. What if I don't hear anything? Then you can have peace knowing he's with you because he promised that. I think the best way to end this series is spending time listening for the Holy Spirit and his voice. To devote the rest of our time together talking with the Holy Spirit, not just about him, and actively listening for him to speak. Maybe he wants to reveal to us where we're not fully surrendered. Maybe today he'll speak to you and say, hey, this area of your life that you've been guarding, I want it. And you can trust me. Maybe he wants to put a person on your heart to pray for. Maybe he wants to call you out of your comfort zone and wants you to listen. But I think we would miss an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to sit here with the Holy Spirit and just let him speak. And if he's speaking, you'll know it's him by checking it with the fruit. Is it making you more loving, making you more patient, making you more kind, making you have self-control? His leading will naturally lead you to the fruit. And I know, I know today I'm kind of rambling. I didn't give you like a five-point thing about how to listen for the Holy Spirit better. That's what it was going to start as. Like here's going to be the five ways you listen to the Holy Spirit. But I thought in my head, that's too much me. It's got to be him talking. I think if we're actively pursuing him, actively walking in obedience with him, the more we will hear him. Please hear me. If you're obeying him and what he says in his word, if you follow this, if we as a church follow this, we will naturally hear him more. And you'll just know. I know that can sound unsatisfying. What do you mean I'll just know? You will. Because it will lead you to be more and more like him. But we have to live in step with the Holy Spirit. Meaning we have to ask him into our lives. We have to obey the things he's already asked of us. And we have to repent and turn and confess our sin when we stumble. And we need to take time to listen. Church, there's so much more to this. This idea of talking about the Holy Spirit and Him filling us. Way more than I could cover in three weeks. But I want to say thank you for, for letting me talk to you for three weeks. It's already changed my own life. But I believe we're on this journey together to listen and follow the Holy Spirit. And we want to continue to be a church looking for His leading. So today, similar to last week, we want to allow time for the Holy Spirit to speak. I'm going to pray and if you put your faith in Jesus and you follow him and want to continue to walk in step with him the communion table will be open where we can remember his body broken for us and his blood spilled for us so that we could have the Holy Spirit but before we do that I just want to sit in silence for a bit and let him speak and when you're ready you can partake in communion and you can have amazing, an amazing week, and we'll see you next week. But if you're someone who didn't get prayed for last week, or maybe you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, or you're just looking for more of God, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you, and over you, and wait with you. And maybe you're sitting in the room, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, or you're realizing, man, I've been living in black and white this whole time. I've only been going through the motions. I don't know if I've ever actually put my faith in Jesus. We want to pray with you. And talk to you that how, how you start doing that. Maybe you, you know him and you love him, but you've been walking in the sinful nature rather than keeping in step with him. We want to pray with you and for you. I know right now that there's a battle going on inside of us. Do I go up for prayer? Will people think I'm weird? Oh, what will they think if I, if I went up last week and I'm going up again? What, what, if, what if I'm listening to God wrong and I don't hear him? What if I hear nothing? What if, what if he calls me something too great? What if, what if this isn't working? All of these things are, are rattling in our heads right now. But do you feel that tug? That somewhere deep down, you know, I want more. 
than just attending church on a Sunday. But I want to lean on him for my healing. I want to hear him tangibly in my life. I want his guiding in my life every step of the way. I want to be obedient even if I go up and nothing happens. I can sit back and say, but I listened to what you asked of me. Can you feel him right now? He promises for those of us who believe in him, he will never leave us and he dwells within us. So let's listen for his voice, his guiding. And the more we do this as a church, the more we will hear him. So before I close and pray, let me just remind you. Jesus said, it is better that he went away so that the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit would come. And if you are tired of going through the motions, if you want to live a life that has a faith of vibrancy and beautiful color, a life that's abundant and full, it's time to step out of the black and white faith and walk in with the Spirit, living in full color. Today, today that's available for you. At this moment, you can live a life saying, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit, not in just random special moments, but minute by minute, and anytime I stumble, I'm going to ask for more. Let me pray. We'll sit in some silence. The music, like last week, will play. If people need prayer, we're going to have people up here in the chairs praying for you. Don't leave here without getting prayed for. What do we have to lose? So I'll pray. We'll sit in silence. Whenever you're ready, come and partake in communion. Receive prayer or have a blessed week. But you don't have to go through the motions. Faith could be way, way more full. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are so good. And I thank you that you are leading us and that you love us and that you care for us. Today, God, will you speak some of us have been going through the motions and some of us, we haven't, we haven't felt you in a long time and admittedly some of us have been walking in the sinful nature for far too long and today we want to repent and say, God, I want to follow your leading. I want to follow after you. So Holy Spirit, will you continue to just speak to us and fill our cups to abundance and overflow that when the people outside these walls see us, they're like, man, they have something that I don't have. What is it? And we could say, it is Jesus. Today, may we worship him, may we love him, may we know him, and Holy Spirit, may we allow you the spot in our life in full surrender to speak. Spirit of the living God, will you speak to us this morning? We thank you for your body broken for us and your blood spilled. May you speak, oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.